your Bibles, take your Bible to Second uh, Kings chapter number 8. 2 Kings chapter 8, I'm going to speak to you tonight <clears throat> about the cutthroat. Um, there was a man who uh, we'll talk about tonight who, who basically becomes the next king of Syria, and uh, he does that by being a cutthroat type of a person. And uh, Elisha basically tells him how that's going to take place. You've got your Bibles open to 2 Kings chapter 8. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 8. So make a mark there and also turn your take. We'll be back there in just a second. Put a mark there. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. We'll look at a text there. I want to look at a, prof, a prophecy that was given to... Uh, to Elisha during that time period, and then we'll look at the fulfillment in Second Kings chapter eight. Yes, you're welcome. <clears throat> Elisha is told of this king uh, by by the prophet Elijah. So you got your Bibles, First uh, Kings chapter nineteen. 1 Kings 19, and let's read in verse number 15. I, just for sake of time, I'm not going to give you the whole backstory of what's taking place here, but Elijah is telling Elisha what is going to take place when he's gone. Verse 15, <coughs> And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint <coughs> Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimeshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abaholah, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. Okay? So here we are in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Elijah, Elijah um, is, is here. Elijah's alive. Elijah dies, but before he dies, he gives him... You're going to anoint Hazel to be the king of Syria. And then you're going to anoint Jehu to be uh, king of Israel. And uh, these are the two men that you're going, to, you're going to anoint. And then he also says that you'll become, the son, you'll become the man of God. You'll become the prophet. Okay? So those are, those are, those are prophecies that were given by Elijah. Now let's look in, in 2 Kings chapter 8 and let's see this fulfilled. Okay, Second Kings chapter eight, uh, he anoints or he's getting ready to uh, to have a new king of Syria. So let's begin reading in verse number seven. Verse number seven. The Bible says, "And Elisha came to Damascus, and Benadab, the king of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, saying, The man of God is come hither." And the king said unto Hazel, Take a present in thy hand, and go meet the man of God. Inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So Hazel went to meet him and took a present with him, even every good thing of Damascus, 40 camels, burden. And, uh, and came stood before him and, and said, Thy son, Benadab, king of Syria, hath sent me. Uh, uh, has sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So we're going to stop there, and we'll read the rest of the text as we go on, but let's stop there. Let's go point number one, the mission of Hazel. 
The mission of Hazel was to go down. Uh, the cause for him to take this mission was because Benadab was sick. The king of Syria was sick, and he heard that, that, the, that Elisha was, uh, was in town and that he could help him and that he could heal him of this disease. Now, if you and I know this for sure, um, you go back a couple weeks ago, was not the king of Syria trying to kill Elisha? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, and he was trying to seek out Elisha so he could kill him. And Elisha proves to be true, proves to be wise, and uh, escapes the death of Syria and escapes the bands that were coming for him. And so here we are, jump forward a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe even a year or two. I don't know exactly the time frame, but jump forward in time. Here is Benadam. He is laying on his deathbed. He's sick. He's, he's about to die. And he says, go send for the prophet. Now, how true is that? A lot of people won't turn to God until they're sick, about to die, and they don't know where else to go. Now, I will say this, that there is nothing wrong with people doing that because they need to get saved, whether it's on their deathbed or whether it's when they have good health. But don't wait until you're on your deathbed to decide that you need God. But ultimately, if you look at this text, he didn't want God. He wanted to know if he was going to recover from his disease. He didn't say, go get me Elisha because I need to confess God. He said, go get me Elisha. Go ask Elisha if I'm going to recover from this disease. I need to know if I'm going to recover. Now, too many times in our life, we wait until everything is breaking loose before we try to get a hold of God. And that's exactly what King Benadab had did. Look, he wasn't worried about God. He was trying to kill the prophet Elisha. He was trying to do everything he could to get rid of the, of the name of God in his country. And what happens? Oh, I'm getting sick. Hey, hey, I heard that preacher's down there. Let's go see if he can, he can tell me if I'm going to recover from this thing or not. But as a Christian, we shouldn't wait. And just as, a, as an individual, we shouldn't wait until we're about to die to try to fix something. You know, we have, and I said this Sunday night, but we only have one life to live. And I can't wait until my last seconds are on my deathbed for me to try to live for God. I need to live for God right now. Because this is the best time of my life right now. You say, how do I know it's the best time of my life? Because it is right now. And same with you. You say, well, I don't know if I can serve God right now. No, no, you, you have the best time of your life right this minute. Why? Because it is right now. Look, we can't change what's happened in the past. And the only thing that we can do is look forward and try to change the future. And we need to live our life trying to live for God. And don't wait till it's, don't wait until the last second. Look, I, sometimes I procrastinate. And so I put things off or I put things off. But look, I can't put things off when it comes to serving God. And you as a Christian don't need to put things off and wait till the last second to try to squeeze it all in and make sure you've done it all, you know? Prepare, do, work, serve. Go send, hey, Hazel, go down there and see, see if that preacher tells me if I'm going to recover from this disease or not. What do, what do you think? What do you think? Am I going to call, am I going to come, am I going to, Am I going to recover? But not only do you see the cause, why? Because Benadab was sick. But look at this contribution he makes towards Elisha. Look in verse number eight. <clears throat> and the king said, take a present in thy hand. Verse nine. 
he says, and he took a present with him, even every good thing of Damascus. How many camels? How many camels? Forty. Camels of the burden. So how much did he give Elisha? How much stuff can camels handle? Now, I don't know if they were carrying two things on each back or they were carrying bags of stuff stacked as high as they could stack them. They were loaded. Yeah. Why? For the preacher. To take care of the prophet. Look, just a couple weeks ago, he was trying to kill the prophet. But God uses, and here's the greatest thing, is God can use anybody. God used this wicked king to supply the need of Elisha. Because you notice in this text, Elisha, you know, previously, like with Naaman, he, told, he, he turned Naaman away. Remember that? When, after he healed Naaman, Naaman said, I got to give you some money. He said, no, I, I don't need it. But what is he doing this? Okay. He received the gift. Do you know why? Because Elisha needed it. That, that substance that he gave him was going to supply the need in which he had. I don't know how much need he had it. I don't know exactly what was taking place, but Elisha was taken care of by a wicked king and God did the supplying through a wicked king. So the cause, he was sick, but the contribution was, wow. Wow. Can you imagine the caravan that went to go see Elisha? What is going on here? 40 camels loaded down, going to Elisha. You know everybody in town was saying, where's that camel? Where are all those camels going? Huh? Going to go see the prophet to tell if the disease was going to recover or not. Anybody have any thoughts or questions? Well, I'll take a comment. It could be. It could be. He was desperate. Yeah. And you see that going on today. Oh, yeah. All the time. Well, preachers will, will change their message because somebody in the crowd will, will give them enough money to change their message. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Just fill my pocketbook up the right way. But I, I do believe this. I do not think for one moment that that's what took place here. Because the message didn't change. Elisha didn't change his message to suit the king. And you'll, we'll read in just a moment, it didn't change what took place. It didn't change what God said, and it didn't change what Elisha would say. Go ahead. Elijah told the truth. He told the truth. Yes, he did. What God told him, what God showed him, Elijah said it. That's right. And it wasn't good for the king. That's right. It wasn't good for the king. But he still... That's right. You know, he got the substance in That's right. But God provided for Elisha through someone else. God provides for his children through other... Sometimes through other people. But I will say this as well, that uh, that contribution may have been to bribe him, may have been to... May have been to bribe him, but it may have been to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, I just tried to kill you. 
Hey, which which intervening for him to God? It could have been. It could have been. Hey, well, let's see if I give him enough. If it will, if it will change his message, his, yeah. you know, it'll change God's message. What it, what is it to me? What am I going to recover? What is going to do for me now? That yeah. Given all mm-hmm. this, you know? Yeah. And he gave him the message yeah. God gave him. Yeah. He didn't like That's it. right. And, and same can be true about some of. Sometimes we give to get. If I give, I expect something in return. I, you know, I mean, don't you? There's a lot of people like that, preacher. But we ought not always be like that. <laughs> it's okay to give and never expect nothing in return. But I don't know that that king's intentions were good. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us one way or the other. We can, we, can, we can look at this scripture and we can say that he had bad intentions. We can say that he had good intentions. We have no idea. But know this to be true, that we ought to examine everything that we do. I'm giving. Am I going to get? If we're giving like that, we have the wrong attitude about giving. Even when it comes to putting money in the offering plate. If I'm giving in the offering plate to make sure that, all right, God, I'm expecting you to give it back. Don't expect that. That's the wrong attitude. The Bible says God loveth a cheerful giver. Yeah. And that's not just talking about what's in the offering plate, it, it, just in general. Just in general. Doesn't that, doesn't that also come into the uh, uh, inheritance of, uh, of crowns? Oh, it does. It, does. it goes back to our motives, yeah. why we do what we yeah. do. If you, if you do it for a pat on the back, then you're not going to receive. No, because you got your reward. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's right. which one do you want? You want it now or you want it later? Right. Right. But people like the like the the parade, mm-hmm. the praise. Look at me. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, so number one, we look um, we look at the mission. Number two, let's look at the message. We'll look at the message. Verse number ten. And Elisha said unto him, Go say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover. What did he tell him? He said, you may recover. You may recover. How be it? The Lord has showed me that he shall surely die, but not from the disease. That's what he's telling him. You're going to die. You're, that disease is not, may, not, may not kill you, but something is. Look at verse number 11. And he settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed and the man of God wept. Do you know what just took place here? The man of God looked at Hazel, and he said, your king is not going to die from the disease, but you're going to kill him. And the Bible says, and he settled his countenance steadfastly. Do you know what, do you know what just took place? Elisha looked him square in the eye until... Hazel blinked. And the man of God wept because he knew that that man was going to go home and murder the king. And he just told him that. He settled his countenance and he wept. Verse 12, And Hazel said, Why weepeth 
my Lord? And he answered, listen to what, what, listen to what Elisha says about him. Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. Their, strong, their strongholds wilt thou set on fire, and their young men wilt thou slay with the sword, and will dash their women and rip up their children. Whip up, uh, rip up their women with their children. You know what he told him he said? He said, Hazel, you're a wicked king. You're a wicked man. And you're going to go home. And you're going to kill the king. And then you're going to be wicked. And you're going to come to our country. And you're going to build. And you're going to burn our strongholds. And you're going to murder our young men. And you're going to kill our women. And then you're going to rip the children. And you're going to rip the children. That's you, Hazel. Wow. And Hazel said, But what is thy servant a dog that he should do great thing, this great thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has showed me that thou shalt be what? King over Syria. So there's four <coughs> there's four different prophecies that he takes place here. Number one, the prophecy of the sickness. That it would, if he would have just held on long enough, it would have recovered. It may recover. Then he also, the other prophecy is that he'll slay him. He'll kill him. He'll kill the king. And then not only that, but then he prophesies of the slaughtering that would take place in Israel. But I'm going to tell you this, and know this to be true, the reason that this has taken place, the reason that, uh, that the, king of ha the king Hazel is becoming king of Syria is because of the wickedness of Israel. This is judgment on Israel because they refuse to worship God. And God says, I've had enough. You'll notice that in 1 Kings 19 is when, he when that took place. King Ahab was still king. But what happened to Ahab? Ahab repented, didn't he? He, 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 he? he got things right. So what did God do? He withheld the judgment from Israel. And then the next guy comes around, uh, the next king, wicked again, and still won't serve God, and still wants to worship Baal. And God says, I've had enough. Here comes the next king. Um, and I will say this, Sometimes God gives countries wicked rule because of the sin of the nation. There's not one president that has been president that, should, that shouldn't have been president because God placed him in that position. There's not been one king to be king that God did not place to be king. Not one ruler to be a ruler that God did not place to be a ruler. On purpose, God placed this king, Hazel, to get to, for the children of Israel to receive the judgment that was coming. That's scary to me as a Christian. It's scary to me as an American. What judgment will we face? That's scary to me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
So he, he prophesied of his sickness, of the slaying, of the slaughter, and then lastly, he prophesied the next successor, who was going to be the next king. Who was going to be the next king? Hazel was. Hazel was going to take over after Benadam. There's something that I would like you to look at. In verse number 11, the Bible says, And the man of God did what? He wept. Why did he weep? Why did the man of God weep? Why do you think Elisha wept? What do you think? He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to Israel. And I don't know. Sorry. And you know, they were worshiping God. That's right. And Jehovah was going to put his judgment on That's right. And I don't know if God opened up the curtain and allowed him to physically see. But God opened up the curtain and allowed him to see whether he saw it with his physical eye or not. But God opened up his ears and opened up his eyes for him to see who was going to be the king and what he would do to Israel. You know, it's right here, the, you know, uh, uh, rip up their women with child. That's a pregnant woman. It ripped them up in there and they killed them. They her and the child. Yep. You know, that's horrible. But he's seen that. Yeah. You know, I think he's seen it. I think I, I mean I think that he 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 could have for sure. I think that God allowed him to see into the future to see that was going to take place. I think so. But I believe he was crying for Israel. I think he was crying for Israel. Yeah. I think he was crying because he had to deliver the message. Hey, I want you to deliver this. Can you deliver this? I want you to tell Hazel that he's getting ready to murder everybody. Let me look you in the eye. You're wicked. And you're going to come to our country. And you're going to kill our young men. And you're going to kill our women. And you're going to rip the child from the women. There are times when the preacher preaches and it hurts him to say what he has to say. You say, what do you mean? Look, there's judgment. I don't like to preach on because it hurts me just as much as it hurts you. But it needs to be preached. But it has to be preached. John eleven thirty five said, Jesus wept. Jeremiah was what we would call the weeping prophet because of what was taking place. But regardless, look, this is what my job is so important. Regardless of what's going on and regardless of anything, I'm supposed to tell the truth. Even if it smacks me right smack in the face, I need to tell the truth. Even if it hurts, 
I need to tell the truth as a preacher, as a pastor. Anybody have any thoughts, questions before we move on? Well, you know, I've got a reference here to Luke 19. Mm -hmm. When Jesus, uh, he cried over Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. He wept for Jerusalem. Yeah, he says, and when he was going to come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Amen. Amen. Just like Elijah did. That's right. Should should that not be convicting to us a little bit that we would cry for where we live? That we would weep for this this place. Judgment comes. And uh, I mean, do we not know what judgment is coming? What judgment is coming shortly? What happens after, after the rapture? What takes place? That's judgment. Does it not make you weep a little bit? Well, I should say, shouldn't it make us weep a little bit? Well, the message still needed to be told. The message still needed to be preached. I'm going to end. We're going to close. Turn your paper over if you will. Number three, the murder by Hazel. <clears throat> Verse number 14, so he departed from Elisha, came unto his master, who said to him, what said Elisha to thee? And he answered, and he told them that thou shouldest surely recover. That's what Elisha told him, isn't it? Verse 15, and it came to pass on the morrow, which was the next day. He took a thick cloth and dipped it in water and spread it on his face so that he died. And Hazel reigned in his stead. A weak, older man, sick, in his bed. Hazel grabs a cloth, dips it in water, and smothers him to death. To be the next king. You say, why is this significant? Because he saw that preacher weep at the evil that he was going to do. And it didn't bother him one bit to walk down the street to the king's house and murder the king. It didn't bother his conscience. It didn't budge him one bit. I don't know about you, but if I see a preacher bawling and crying because of the sin in which I'm committing, you know what I might think? Hey, I need to change something. Not, well, I'm going to do it more boldly and proudly. No way. The wickedness of Hazel. I'm going down there and I'm going to kill him. And he smothered him. So no one would hear. No one would know. But then I want you to know something else. But I think it does. Is it hurts the, the word of the Lord. You say, how? What did he stand there and tell the king? King said, hey, Elisha said, you're going to recover. And that's what he said. It is two-faced. 
All right. I'll tell you, you're going to recover. So he kind of takes it easy. He kind of gets back in his seat. Okay, well, that's good, man. I'm going to recover. Never wakes up from his sleep the next night. I mean, literally, that's what took place. The deception, the deceitfulness. of this king. Wicked. Wicked. But let's, as we, as we get ready to close, think about, has God ever convicted you of sin when you've been in church? When you walked right out the door and did what you were just thinking about? Shouldn't it convict us a little bit more than just, eh, all right, no big deal. Let's go do exactly what we were thinking about we shouldn't do. Well, that's exactly what this guy did, Hazel. Look at the preacher straight in the eye. All right, I'm going to do evil. All right, let's go fulfill that. Almost like he took pride in doing the wrong. Scary, to be honest with you. Anybody have any thoughts? Anybody have any questions? Comments? What if he didn't uh, look in a weird sort of way that the preacher gave him the idea? You know? I mean, what if, what if he hadn't thought about, oh, hey, that's a great idea? That's the, the different perspective. But, I mean, he probably did have that foresight. Right. Well, I mean, there was a prophecy from God. And God, God knows all, um, so He knew that. He, uh, look, uh, for instance, if someone puts something in your mind today, you're probably not going to go out and do it tomorrow. You know, it's not going to be something that you're going to act on fast. If I tell you to, hey, let's go rob a bank, you know, how long would it take us to get plans together to rob a bank? We wouldn't go rob a bank tomorrow. If I tur- if I told you to murder someone today. I mean, you wouldn't go out tomorrow and do it. He had a plan. Something that he'd been thinking on. But it is true that the prophet did reveal that to him. He he was in Syria. I mean, it was dangerous for Elisha even to be in that country. Because they didn't like him. They didn't like the word of God. They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in Jehovah. he He was already a wanted man. But him, for him to be in Syria already, but he still told the truth, and he still preached the word, even to Hazel, who could have killed him in just a moment. It is, because he, but I will say this, it is bold, but he was just following God. Because he knew God would protect him. Anybody else? Any other thoughts? Questions? Is it really? Judgment on Israel, yeah. Hmm. Amen. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's it. That's very good. You know, um, there's only two more lessons left, two or three more lessons left on Elisha. I, I can't believe we're already about done with them. We went through the life of Elijah and went through the life of Elisha. 
It's been enjoyable. You know, when you read through a book, you don't catch all those things. But then when you study it, it becomes more alive to you. But it's, it's important that we examine ourselves. And not only that, but we leave this place changed. Because we don't need to go out and do those things in which God has convicted us of. I mean, I can't imagine... I mean, I, I, we look at that and like, that's a huge sin. Man, I would, I would never do that. But I mean, the preacher looked at him and said, hey, don't do it. But basically, hey, you're getting ready to do that. Okay. I mean, we, we come to church. Not, I, don't know, I mean, when I say that, a lot of times people come to church and they, and they come in and they leave out and they've never changed a thing. Yeah, it's not, that wasn't meant for me. <laughs> Did you hear it? Yeah. If you heard it, it's for you. Amen. Well, God intended for you to be here. God intended for what to be preached on a specific night. Yeah, well, was it wasn't by accident that you came to church on this night. If it wasn't by accident, then it wasn't by accident with the preacher's preaching what he's preaching. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for letting us be here together. I 